Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while, right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, nay, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast version 233, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertain people. Well, we are embarking on NFL Draft Week. It is finally going to be upon us later this week. We will find out, are the Mavericks going to survive what has now become a best-of-three series? And holy crap, do we have some random-ass stories in the block for you today. <laughs> There's some oh, good yeah. ones. There are some good ones. But all this happens because of our great sponsors, very much like Greening Law. Robert Greening and his staff, the Green Team at Greening Law. If you had a car accident this weekend and your car flipped multiple times and somebody ran a stop sign because they were drinking and plowed into you, you need to give them a call. If you are hurt on the premises of a business, there's a variety of different reasons that you may find yourself in need of the Green Team. Let them be your fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies. Um, and the reason why is because they're really good at what they do. And I love this. It doesn't cost you a single solitary dime to pick up the phone, give the Greening Law team a call, and let the Green Team go to work for you. Tell them your situation. If they take you on as a client, it has been a great day for you because they will grind for you. They'll work for you. And as Matt will tell you, they'll give you the answers to questions that, frankly, you didn't even know were supposed to be asked. Yeah, and it's easy to do. Like you said, that consultation is free. So if you think you've got a case, give them a call. Find out. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. So you texted me something this morning, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm very curious to find out this. And, and you had sent me a text about Debo Samuel. And so you're going to have to tell us, because you say Debo Sam, Samuel is going to ultimately create a problem for the Cowboys. So what's next? <laughs> I was thinking about this this morning, bro. And, and you know, uh, I've, I've been reading a lot about it because everybody's trying to figure out, okay, why is he mad? And some of it is, uh, and, and what I started thinking about was, you know, he's the best player on their team. He's even better than a quarterback, and that's rare. And so I wonder if, you know, he wants, you know, to be paid for being a running back and to be paid for being receiver. Uh, I want a little special money because I'm doing the jobs with these people. I'm so focal point of the offense, even more than the quarterback, blah, 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 blah. But as it relates to your Dallas Cowboys, I'm fast-forwarding, okay? So I'm truly fast-forwarding. I'm being a visionary here, man. Uh, not that I'm breaking any news because this has happened to other players, but you know damn well, based on the Dallas Cowboys, when Micah Parsons' deal is up, um, they're going to be trying to get him as what, Matt? A uh, linebacker. Yeah, you're right. And they're going to be like, oh, you're a linebacker, so we're going to pay you. We're going to make you the highest paid inside linebacker in the game. And he's going to be like, what the uh, are y'all talking about, dog? I'm a pass rusher. I got my hand on the ground. I'm coming off the defensive end. I'm coming off the edge. I got, you know, 47 sacks in four years. Well, we know that, man. We love to use you there sometimes, but really you're a linebacker. And let me tell you all something. Uh, he'll ultimately get signed because he's a terrific player. But, oh, you thought the consternation with Dak was much? Oh, it's going to be a lot with Michael, man, because he plays the collision position. And there's a big difference between what inside linebackers make and what edge rushers make. Because after quarterback – and now receiver, left tackle, edge rushers are right there in that same conversation. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that we always talk about. I mean, that's one of those those positions that you look for, that if you're ranking the importance of positions on your team, linebacker is not as high as defensive end edge rusher would be. So, and, and Parsons, you know, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a really good point because I think you're right. Because why wouldn't you if you're him? It, it's, it's like the guys who, who was it's it? It's like that? Jimmy. It was Jimmy Graham. Remember, they that's were lining right, yeah. him out I knew it was somebody, as a wide yeah. receiver. And he was like, I'm playing wide receiver half the time. And they're like, oh, yeah, but you're, but you're a tight end. And we all know that even then the difference between tight end pay and wide receiver pay was, was crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know, but so check this out. Um, well, I think the way the franchise is, linebackers' franchise tag is $15 million. Defensive end is 17.7. Uh, but that was uh, that was a little while ago, so even that's going to go up. But the different the, the point is, it's going to continue to go up, and there's going to be a gap between what defensive ends make and what linebackers make, especially what elite pass rushers make. And that's where he's going to want to be paid because he's going to say, "Look at my win rate. Look at how many sacks I've got. Look at where they come from. Look at what happens when you put me a defensive end." I'm not saying you got to pay me like a defensive end, but you can't pay me like a linebacker. Yeah, man. I mean that that's. That's a very interesting conversation that they're going to have to have with Micah Parsons. And, and we hope that they have to have that conversation with Micah Parsons anyway. Hopefully he doesn't late and Vanderesh it, but I don't think he will. That's kind of weird too. Like with, although, I mean, to be fair, nobody thought Leighton was going to drop off a cliff like he did. But it feels like Micah is just on a completely different level than what Leighton Vanderesh was after his rookie season. Nothing. I think the difference is, uh, and you know, I'm not really. Let me rephrase that. I'm not one for hyperbole at all, but he looks like a great player to me. I'm trying to think if, well, maybe I thought, maybe I thought Leighton was a great player after his first year, but I also knew he had that injury history with him, and it was always kind of like, well, let's see. And to be honest, um, and I, I, I haven't changed my stance on this, and I ain't breaking no news here, but, you know, greatness is all about longevity and consistency. So, he had a great rookie year. Teams will adjust. He will definitely be the focal point of every team's offensive game plan. And now we'll see if he can put it back together. But I love the way he talks, and I love his attitude, and I love everything about the way he plays. And so I would be shocked if he had a decline. I would, too. I mean, it, it feels like you've got, like, that luca level type impact guy who is just walked into the league as one of these stud young dudes and is only going to get better. No, that's what it feels like. I mean, I, there's there's no reason, barring injury, to think that he wouldn't continue on this pace, especially because, you know, he's coming back with the same defensive scheme. Yeah. Everything's the same. They'll be able to use him even better because the things he's really effective at, they'll do even more. The things he wasn't, they'll do less. And I think the continuity with uh, Dan Quinn coming back is a big deal for him because Luca. I mean, you got me calling him Luca Layton. <laughs> Leighton didn't have that. Leighton, Leighton had three coordinators in his first four years. That's true. Maybe that contributed to it. I don't think teams think about that enough. You know, like Baker Mayfield's gone through that in Cleveland. Like when you have these young dudes that are coming into the league and every year that they're in the league, they've got a different coordinator, different coaches, different system, different scheme. And you're asking them to do different things. Well, no, that's it's all. That's why, man, so much of your success as a player is built on where you get drafted, the coaches that, that are in charge of your career and how they use you. And if you think about it, man, that ain't really different than anybody else in anybody else's career. For example, if you look at me, if I didn't have Dave Smith, who's one of the you know icons in, in the sports editing business, like you can't talk about sports pages in sports sections without talking about him at the first five minutes of the conversation. If he doesn't look at me and go, okay, I'll put this uh, 25-year-old, 27-year-old dude who's never covered anything but high schools, I'll put him on the Cowboys, our most important beat, and see how it goes, then my career has a much different path. Um, as opposed to normally people would look at you and go, you're 27 years old, you've been covering high schools for two years, you got – Man, get out of my office. <laughs> Come back at a later date. But you get that chance, you take advantage of it, and then your career goes one way. You know, or you have to wait, you know, five years from the right coach. You know, O. J. Simpson before he became a killer. Uh alleged killer. Oh yeah. Sorry, um, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> you know, he's got uh he's got some coach, I can't remember the coach's name, 
for the first three years of his career, and he doesn't do anything. And then Lou Saban comes in and says, I don't know why they haven't given you the ball. Here's the ball. And all of a sudden, he's one of the greatest running backs in NFL history. You know, it's just that same thing. So, Dan Quinn, if Dan Quinn is not the defensive coordinator last year and doesn't say, oh, well, Michael Parsons can rush the passer. Now that we have, you know, let's throw him out there since we have a need now, since we've got these injuries. Oh, he can do it. Okay, let's keep letting him do it. Then, you know, Michael Parsons is not Michael Parsons. He's a good player, but he might not be a guy we're talking about as a great player. Yeah, that's very true. And then maybe the Cowboys don't have to worry about paying him $20 million a year. And then check this out, dog. There are all kind of cats in the draft now who are going to get drafted this year mm. because of what Michael Parsons did. That's true. And they're going to they no, dude, that's real. They're going to yeah. say, you're not really the best, you're not the prototypical this or that, but, you know, it used to be you're a three, four outside linebacker if you're not prototypical size. Now it's just like, we don't really care. Just play what you play, and we'll put you in and let you rush the passer since you seem to be able to do that on third downs. So as we move forward here, and obviously the draft, as many of you listen to this, the draft four days away, coming up on Thursday night with round one, and then Fridays two and three, and then obviously next Saturday will be day three with rounds four through seven. I will let everybody know, we'll just go ahead and mention this, that I have got to fly back to Dallas for a funeral, and I will be... It's like a, it's one of those less than 24 hour type trips because, again, wasn't expecting it. And it's just quick in and quick out to go to this. But that means that we will not be able to record on Thursday. So Jacques and I will record our draft thoughts on Friday morning. So if you're listening to this, just make a note that the podcast, which normally drops in the middle of the night, probably will not drop until 9 a.m., 9.30 a.m. on Friday morning. But we will have one for you. So don't freak out which I love. I mean, anytime there's ever been a glitch, you know, people, hey, it's not here. And, you know, it's like six o'clock in the morning, people driving to work, whatever. And I appreciate that. (laughs) But just be aware that we will have one for you on Friday. It's just going to be a little bit delayed because of that. But we're definitely going to jump on and talk about whatever the Cowboys do in the first round. And I think it's going to be a wild first round. But as you look ahead, do you, I'm starting to feel more and more like it just makes too much sense for offensive linemen. Like, unless somehow, some way, the C.D. Lamb falls there. Because Traylon Burks, I think, is going to be there. I don't know if they're enamored enough with him as they would be like an Alave or somebody if they happen to be at 24. It just feels like, sensibly, they're going to get a guard that they really like at 24. Well, I think that's the question, man, is it's who there. Is, is um, Devin Lloyd there? Did he drop to you? Well, then that's a much more difficult conversation. If you look, and here's, here's really what I'm talking about, and we, we broached it just basically when we were talking about the whole Debo Samuel thing, dog. But guard, if you look at the scale of importance on the football calendar, I mean on the football scale, if it starts with quarterback and then it goes to left tackle, pass rusher, wide receiver, cornerback, guard is like ninth or tenth on the list, bro. Yeah. So – if there are other positions more valuable that are available with good players, I you know basically a pass rusher, a uh, a wide receiver uh, for for your Dallas Cowboys, then they'll take that I think because guard in the big picture is not really a valuable position. See, I, I mean, just like I'd be shocked if Devin Lloyd is there. He's been there in some of the mocks that we've done, but when you look at guys that, that cover this hardcore, I mean, he's going top fifteen. I would really, really be surprised if Devin Lloyd were to fall. But again, like you're talking about, if somehow Devin Lloyd did fall there, you you may be running up there and going, my God, we've got another Micah Parsons. Exactly. So I'm with you. My suspicion is they'll take a receiver. But, I mean, they'll take a a guard. Mm. But if Traylon Burks is there and you go, we have him as a first-round grade, and, you know, the guards are, are lower first-round grades or second-round grades because, you know, as we've told you, the only 16, 18 players typically have first-round grades. Yeah. And it's a more valuable position, and we don't have any depth there. Don't forget about that, man. They are one C.D. Lamb sprained ankle away, high ankle sprain away from James Washington being your number one receiver for the first three weeks of the season. That's very true. You know, so let's not act like, oh, they're set of receiver. They're really not. And so if Burks is there, I could see them taking the receiver going, we can find a guard or we can go in free agency and get a guard if we need to to, to survive. 
Yeah, and to me, it, it really feels like one of these three guys will be the pick, whether it's Zion Johnson or Kenyon Green, who are both guards, or Traylon Burks. Because I, I do think Burks will be there at 24, and they'll have to make that decision of what direction they want to go. Green is interesting because he's super versatile. He played mostly at left guard, but he, he played four different positions at A&M. So it, it's, it's going to be really, this is a really, really interesting draft for me, man. I mean, I, I haven't thought, and we've talked about this, how wide open this draft is, this first round, not just for the Cowboys, but all across the league. Eight teams that have two first round picks. Obviously, that means eight teams do not have any picks whatsoever in the first round. Nobody seems to have a really good grasp on where these quarterbacks are or who likes who or wherever they're going to be coming from. And I kind of wonder, is is somebody out there like have the, what was that? Was that 2017 when nobody saw the Chiefs making that move from 27 to 10 to get Pat Mahomes? Yeah. You know, and I wonder, is there a team down there, you know, the Green Bays of the world, the Saints or somebody that's got a couple first round picks? The Saints especially, because for all we know, they're in love with Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis. Do they feel like they can wait for them to come into the back teams, or do they feel like they've got to make a move up, and that could change, you know, that sends shockwaves throughout the draft. My God, here come the Chiefs. (laughs) No, I can see that. I can see a lot of things, man. Um, I think the thing about it is with the Cowboys, they've told us that they will keep an open mind on the draft, man. They're heavy into the best player available. I'm not. I I, I like that because it's hard to go wrong when you add good players. It's uh, but this at 24 and in this particular draft, um, dude, there's just, it's just um, there's no telling who will be there because everybody looks at everybody differently. Yeah, man, it it is. It's very very interesting because Kansas City and Jacksonville both have 12 picks in this draft. They'll be able to make a lot of moves if they want to move around. And then the Dolphins only have four picks. The Dolphins don't have a pick in the top 100, which is kind of wild. But you look at the moves they've made recently, and that's why they don't have any picks. So I actually think there's going to be a lot of movement in this draft because eight teams with two first-round picks is just bizarre. (laughs) Hell, yeah, it is. Um, There's going to be – somebody's going to make a move up for somebody, and we go, really? Yeah. They could have stayed there and got that dude. Yep. Uh, there's going to be a run on receivers at some point. It's just a matter of who who takes it. And then everybody talks about the quarterbacks, but maybe nobody believes in any of these quarterbacks enough to go get them before 15 or 20. You know? Like, I mean, I don't like – it's just me, bro. You can't force a quarterback fit. No. Like the dude from Pitt, he's not that good. <laughs> none of them are. I mean, none of them are that no. good. No, and so, you know, relatively speaking, you know, I could see it. if it were me, if you're Carolina, I'm not taking a quarterback at six, man, because one, all of a sudden he becomes top ten pick at quarterback. You got to play. It just he ain't built for that, man. Uh, these quarterbacks all need to sit, and so if you take them in the twenties then, uh, you know, the pressure to play them is not as high. That's why Daniel Jones, you know, in part was forced into play, man. They took him at six in a year where they had those two first-round picks. I was like, man, you could have got that dude at 17. Yeah. And it wouldn't have been nearly the pressure to put him in there and play. Uh, and that's funny how that works, but that's how it works, bro. Um, so this is, this is really going to be one of the more fascinating drafts in a long time because there's a bunch of good players and very few great ones, if any. Yeah, and again, with all those teams having that, I mean, it is really, really odd that eight teams have a first, have two first-round picks in this thing, man, because it, it just depends. Like, who do you want? And if you want somebody bad enough, man, is that your phone doing that? God damn it. Okay. Is I was getting now? Yeah, now it is. Yeah, I was like, whoa. <laughs> Creating some feedback for all of us, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. But no, I, I just, this draft is, I guess I'm probably going to be watching it on a plane for the most part and at an airport because I fly back on Thursday night, right about the time that the draft is underway, I'll be getting dropped off at the airport. So that'll be exciting, but gives me something to do, I guess, on the flight. Uh, no, I mean, you can follow it on Twitter. I mean, you know, it'll be like, I mean, it'd be like watching it at home. Yeah, it'll be nice. I'll just sit there on the plane with my iPad and log into the internet or whatever and see if I can find a channel to stream. So 
Good times. NFL Draft coming your way this week. Also, of course, maybe you have found yourself this week. You need some stuff done to your car. You need, uh, hell, who knows? Maybe you need some engine work. Maybe it's just the simple tire rotation, oil change, the usual maintenance. Whatever the case may be, do what Jacques does. Literally, it feels like every single week Jacques is taking a car over to JR and his guys at Freeway Tire Shop. Hell, you take your car, you'll probably run into Jacques while he's there. <laughs> that ain't really what I'm trying to do, bro. I mean, I don't. I love JR. I ain't really trying to put all these kids through college. <laughs> but when you got a bunch of cars, as I like to tell people, don't judge me, man, because all but one of them's paid off. Um, when you, but when you have older cars, they need repairs, man. And that's the trade-off. There's no car note, but you got to get you got to get it fixed a little more often. And so I go, I take all my cars to Jr. Where there's an oil change, he put a new engine in my dude's Challenger last year. It's because I trust him, man. I trust him to diagnose the problem, and I trust him to use quality parts to fix it. I trust him to give me a fair freaking price, bro. And then I trust him to stand behind his work because we all know. Every mechanic doesn't, and we've all got stories of those who don't. Yeah, no doubt, man. That, that's why JR is the place, man. Go to Freeway Tire Shop. Take your vehicles there. You can find out more online. You can schedule an appointment. You can request a quote. Let them know you heard about him on Jam Session. He's going to get you taken care of at Freeway Tire Shop, freewaytireshop.com. Also, of course, have you ordered your biltong yet? Bruce Biltong at BruceBiltong.com, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, BruceBiltong.com. We've been telling you about this for a while now. Yeah, it's like beef jerky, but it's better. It's more savory. It's tender. It's delicioso, as some of you might say. <laughs> That's one way to put it. It's the sliced biltong for me, brother. Succulent, tender, juicy even. And I love it because it packs a protein punch with 30 grams in a two-ounce bag, man. That rocks if you're trying to watch your weight. It's great for a midday snack, man. It's uh, it's great anytime. Matt swears by it. I love it. It's fantastic. Go get some. Yeah, man. Check it out. It is bruisebiltong.com. I really do think you're going to enjoy it. Keep in mind that anytime you order, even if you are a repeat orderer and you have fallen in love with Biltong like I have, when you go to bruisebiltong.com, use the promo code JAM15. You can use it anytime. Every time you order, JAM15 will take 15% off your order. They do that just for us, just for our Jam Session listeners. We're the only podcast that he's worked with, and you guys have been awesome supporting it, and it helps us tremendously. So keep it doing it. Keep ordering. Keep enjoying the Biltong at bruisebiltong.com. So this trip around the block, we're just going to start with this. Because I don't know how, I mean, apparently you have alopecia on your face. And I, like, I, at first when you told me that, I was like, what? No way. And then you sent me a picture of your disappearing mustache. And Bro. I mean, it literally looks like somebody, like, just took their thumb and wiped that part of your face away. Now, is this punishment for laughing at Will Smith slapping his shit out of Chris Rock? I don't know, man. Maybe it is. All right, so check this out, man. I noticed my mustache, because I only started growing. You know, I don't have a lot of facial hair. I mess around with it as best I can. Sometimes I get encouragement to mess around with it, like this bet I had over whether I could grow a beard or not. It's a, it's a rare. Man, I need to send you an update picture of it so you can chuckle. Um, but anyway, man, I've, I've, I've been, I didn't even have a mustache, a basic mustache that you had to pay attention to probably until I was 20, 21. And then uh, I shaved it off, I don't know, sometime, uh, I don't know, 20 years ago, before my dude, my dude had never seen me with a mustache, really. And then I started growing it again in September. But it's easy, it's not a big deal, man. But I noticed it getting thin. And so I was like, did I, you know, I trim it a little bit, but I was like, did I accidentally take a hunk out of it and yeah. didn't notice? And so... I go, well, maybe it'll just, it'll grow back and it'll cover it up. Dude, it wasn't growing. And so, okay, I'm going to be transparent with y'all. It wasn't growing to the point and it was thinning that occasionally, just occasionally, Matt, if I was out in public or I had to go to my, teach my class, I put a little mascara on it. And, I, you know. <laughs> wow, do you really? Dude, I had to go. I, mean, I guess you Google. have to. I had to Google it and find out that there's some L'Oreal or something. So I went to Walgreens and picked it up. 
and experiment and but you know it just took like a couple strokes and it was dark enough to cover up the little patch but then every time you take a shower it's back again so i was like what the hell so i looked at it the other day and that's the picture i sent you where i go okay this is i don't know i don't know why it's not growing but yeah. this is just too big it looks like i got half an adolf hitler mustache and who wants that yeah, you can't you know do that saying? anymore. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Just a little kind. You know what I'm talking. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. That's what it looks like on one side. So I said to myself, "Okay, I'll just cut it off. It's just a mustache. It'll grow back." That's the one thing I know I can grow in a week or two. I know some of y'all are laughing because you cut it in the morning and it's back by the afternoon. Um, so I'm in the shower. I'm shaving it off. I get out. I'm drying off. I look in the mirror. Make sure I got it all. And I go and I looked and I literally said, "Oh shit." There are no hair follicles where that ball patch is. Yeah. And what I mean is, you know how, what happens when you shave. You can see just the darkness of where the hair is going to grow back at. But, dude, there was nothing there. So I sent it to my son. I said, what do you think about this? And he did like any teenager. He sent me some laughing emojis back. I go, dude, this is not a laughing matter. I think I got alopecia. He goes, what is that? And I said, that's what, that's why." Will Smith slapped yeah. <laughs> Chris Rock for making fun of his wife who had it. And he thought that was even funnier. I said, okay, enough of these laughing emojis. So then I sent him a Google article. He said, oh, like you're serious. I go, yes. I've got like a dime-sized bald spot in my, be in my mustache. You can't rock with that, man. And so I sent you the picture, man. And you, you probably saw then exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it is really, really, really odd. Like, I don't know that I, I didn't realize this could happen. Apparently, it's referred to as beard alopecia areata or something. Yeah. And it's a real thing that can happen where you just, yeah, like you're not going to be able to grow hair there ever. <laughs> um, I've done a lot of reading on this lately. And it says sometimes it comes back and there's some different techniques you can do to stimulate hair. I mean, you know, I haven't had a mustache you know, I didn't have one for 20 years, so it's not the end of the world if I if I don't get yeah. back. But but again, as I'm messing around with my facial hair lately, I like the options. Now, oh, I didn't show you what I'm rocking now. I just showed you that close-up picture. Now I've got to, I call this the uh, the Captain Ahab Taylor look. What Captain it, Ahab. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just sending you the picture. You tell me what look it is. And try not to laugh, man. Oh, my God. Which, of course, for those that are like, Captain Ahab. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. What look is that? What no, look is that, I, All right. That's fair. I mean, that's. Yeah, that's don't Captain Ahab-ish. Yeah. Don't I look different? Yeah, you do. <laughs> Y'all got to see. I got this little soul patch, which I haven't shaved, so it's actually kind of thick. And then I got. I don't even. I, I hesitate. I sent my dude a text when I was describing this yesterday. I said, fake beard. And he sent me back with a question mark, like, what are you talking about, fake beard? I said, dude, I can't really call this a beard. It's just some hair on my chin. So I got you, this man, soul dude. patch working, and I got this fake beard working. You've got, like, that Van Dyke look going on. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's kind of what that's referred to as, you know? Where is, it's, that, it's, is that what it is? Yeah, pretty much, you know? Like, you've got that... <laughs> Like a little bit of that, that beard down there on the chin with a little bit of mustache going on. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's what I've been dealing with. And you know, oh, okay. it's, I can't I can't even say anything, man, because I had such I had a thin mustache to start with. So a dime sized hole in there basically means you can't wear a mustache. Yeah, no, you can't. Like that's crazy. I mean, it's and what's like you talked about, like what's weird is like there's not even any follicles or it, it like when you shave, obviously you have a little stubble or whatever. And there's like right. not even any little stubble. Dude, it's like... It's like a yeah. hole. It's really interesting. <laughs> it's wild, bro. No wonder you wild. had to put mascara on it. You had to figure out how to cover it up. Yeah, because I thought it was me, and it's not me. And so, yeah, that's my new reality. A big hole in my mustache. Yeah, you've got beard alopecia, apparently. <laughs> Is that wild? Yeah, I mean, no. Just, it'll, it'll just, if you ever watch the Oscars again, you might get pissed off. <laughs> yeah exactly we'll we're making fun of people man yeah calm down i guess so the other thing you sent me this story too and i got to be honest with you i had no idea that this was even a thing but apparently in san antonio a game warden a game warden and his canine 
came across a restaurant, a seafood restaurant in San Antonio that was illegally serving shark fin. And they found 381 whole shark fins and 29, about 29 pounds of shark fin at this seafood restaurant. I didn't know that this was a thing. Apparently, shark fin soup is like a delicacy or some crap. I had no idea until I read it. You know, I just read it because I was like, what are you doing with shark fins? Yeah. But again, man, this is what's wrong with the world. Like, you want a delicacy soup, and so you just kill all these sharks illegally. And it's like, sometimes, it, okay, dude, they have these rules in place for a reason most of the time. Just follow the rules, but no, somebody wants a delicacy, so you just go out and illegal kill people. I mean, sharks. <laughs> yeah, man. No, so apparently, like, this this is just illegal in the United States, shark finning, which is where they cut the fin off, and then they just basically throw away the rest of the shark. It's illegal. The selling of shark fins just itself is illegal in the state of Texas. And I, I had no idea. I have never in my life ever heard of shark fin soup until nope. you sent me that story. I was like, <laughs> shark fin soup? What? <laughs> and it's, I mean, it is very, very bizarre. But apparently this guy is saying that, yeah, this is a thing and that it's, they, they have crackdowns on shark fins and stuff like this. That apparently it's something that's considered a delicacy, served in restaurants worldwide, but this is the first known case in San Antonio. Uh, you know, one thing I don't know is which kind of shark do they? Uh, I don't know any shark. Any shark fin? I, I think it, it it he it sounds like some of the fins came from black tip sharks, and they're not sure if all the sharks are from the Gulf or whatever. But that they have not been able to identify all the species of the sharks just from the report with this game warden guy. Good grief! Yeah, but th- I mean, this is just so so strange. I mean, I, I don't even know what, like, and I didn't know it was illegal. I mean, honestly, if I went into a restaurant and then they were like, hey, uh, today's special is shark fin soup. I'd be like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> like, it wouldn't even occur to me, like, oh, you can't do that. No, no, no. And that's, you know, part of the reason that's why they do it, because most people don't know that you're not supposed to do it. Yeah, I mean, in, you know, in different restaurants and different places, probably the weirdest thing that I ever had was I worked at a restaurant once and we had kangaroo on the menu. Really? And it was legit kangaroo meat. Yeah, and it was super tender. It was really good. Really? You tried it? Yeah, I tried it. Yeah, I ate a little bit of kangaroo. Well, you did eat crickets. So I did. What? Yeah, that was disgusting. That was horrible, <laughs> man. It was. I'll never forget that. That was just, blah. it was gross, man. Yeah, but apparently kangaroo is like a legit thing. I mean, there's so many different types of meat and whatnot, and... Kangaroo is like super high in protein and also very, very lean, which makes What's it, it taste a, like chicken. No, no, it wasn't like chicken. It was more like a really nice steak, like a crazy good steak. Because I just remember really? I remember it being very flavorful and very tender. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that was I mean, that was a long time ago when I had that. I don't even know. I guess I'm sure somewhere around like you could probably Google where can I buy kangaroo meat? I bet some stores in Dallas carry it. Do they have different cuts? You know, like you got a T-bone and you I, got a strip. And- I honestly don't know. I, I, I have no idea. All I know is that the dude was like, if you if somebody orders the kangaroo, it will we will not cook it. Like medium is as high as we will cook it. Otherwise, it ruins it. So the other thing that I really that you had for all of us, and it's funny because I talked about this the other day on my radio show. The, the wedding where they served, apparently the bride and groom cooked their wedding cake <laughs> wow with a bunch of weed speaking of edibles and so all the guests ended up eating weed cake and one of them got so high you know and, and for those that have never done any marijuana or anything of that nature like one of the side effects sometimes can be paranoia yeah bro <laughs> And apparently this one lady was so like paranoid after she took it, she reported feeling weird and she said that she thought she was having a heart attack and before she went to bed that night, she slept in her car on the site at the wedding because she was afraid to leave. Dude, you know, I was I read that article and this is what I came up with. Hey, Matt, <laughs> while we're planning for our for for our um uh... Well, I'm planning my wedding, and I'm talking to you, and you're catering it. Dude, how funny would we be if we put weed in the food, man? 
yeah, dog. And then at some point we say, yeah, man, but you can't do that. And we go, yeah, I know it'd be funny, but yeah. Yeah, you can't do not, that. They never went to that part because, dude, it sounds like a like a hoot. But if you if you're a person who doesn't do drugs at all, yep, and you get you get some weed in your system, especially if it's in food and you're not really tasting it, so you don't know how much you're consuming, dude, all kind of bad things can happen. Even if it's even if the worst, you know, if the basic is just you're driving impaired on your way home from the wedding. Um, and so this is like one of the worst ideas ever. And, uh, you know, the stories about people, heart palpitations, all yeah. that other stuff, you know, because it, it truly affects in general, it has a, you know, weed has one effect or edibles have one effect. Sure. But, but in general, that's a general effect. It all acts differently on everybody's body. You know, you know, a 25 gram edible will blow somebody out for, for several hours. And oh somebody God. else is like, or somebody else is like, is this all you got? 25 grams. Holy crap. I'd be like, uh, I'd, no, I'd just be dead. I'd be like, no. <laughs> I mean, five does the trick. So, you know, you know, and, and what's interesting about this too, is I was thinking, I mean, you have no idea like medications that your guests are on. You know, I'd be Bro. pissed. I mean, you don't know like uh, what types of interactions and then especially, you know, maybe they eat the, the weed and they've been drinking and you just never know what, it, you just can't do this, man. And, and that's why they were arrested. The bride, the bride and the caterer were both arrested and charged with tampering, culpable negligence, and delivery of marijuana. And authorities took food items, including chocolate-covered strawberries, pudding desserts, and lasagna to have them tested. And then a couple of months after the, the wedding, these two people were arrested. Well, dude, I was going to say, they just didn't put it in, like, desserts where, you got, where you're going to have a small sample, you know, chocolate-covered strawberry. Okay, yeah. I took a strawberry. It had some in it. Maybe I had a couple of strawberries. No, nah, dude, they put it in lasagna. Wow, this is really tasty. I think I'll go have a seconds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, dude, I mean, it's uh, in theory, it sounds like funny and what a gag, ha, 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 but in reality, man, that's some serious stuff. It is, man, and and that's why I could not believe that they did that. I mean, that would just, that would absolutely, if that had happened to me, I'd be livid. Because, oh, again, bet. like, you should, you can't do that to people, man. You can't, that's like spiking a drink or something. You can't do that. And check this out. These are your friends. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I mean... When I saw that at first, I thought it was fake, and then I, I read into it more. I was like, holy crap, they really did this. Like, this is a real deal? Dude. That is amazing. <laughs> I mean, that is, that's amazing. And they did it, and now they're arrested. So good for them, I guess. Sucks to suck. <laughs> and then the other thing, and this is a story I'm sure a lot of people saw this, because this is like, like anybody that lives in the DFW area, you had to have seen this at some point. Because I think most people are familiar with the barbecue place Hard 8. Because there's a few yeah. locations around the DFW area. Apparently, the U.S. Department of Labor started investigating them and found out that they had failed to, play, to pay employees $867,000 in owed tips and overtime money. Yeah, that... Did their story make sense to you? I thought it was really odd because apparently they knew they were doing this but didn't know it was illegal because what happened was they shorted 910 employees in their five locations around DFW. Apparently, they violated the law by including managers in their tip pool, denying some workers their tips and managers proper overtime wages because of this. And they're saying that basically they just misunderstood the law and didn't realize that they couldn't do this, and so they had to adjust how they pay their managers because they were including them in the tip pool. Now, I believe that you can... Um, I know, like, this happened to us once when I was in college. Uh, they weren't paying... I was working at the newspaper as a clerk, and they weren't paying us what they should have been paying us, and they had to come back and give us back pay. And when you're in college, I think I got a back pay check for, like, $500, that's like a million dollars in college. I mean, I was I was rich. Yeah. And then they boosted my salary up by like, or my whatever I was making up by like $2 an hour. Uh, so that was fantastic. And so I kind of get how you can, 
accidentally not pay people. And this happened to another company locally. I just found out about it because it affected a friend of mine. Man. Uh, but the deal is, I don't know. I, I don't know. You just tell me as somebody who worked in, in this industry as a waiter. How do you include the freaking management in the tip pool? Because they they're not doing the things that tip people do to earn tips. And management should be above that anyway. Yeah, that's what I would think. I, I would wonder why that is. But yeah, a, like, a, a, apparently, according to them, their restaurant, and I've never been there, so I, I have no idea what the setup is, but they say it's not a normal restaurant with wait staff so that there was gray area in the law. And once that they were told you can't be doing this, they stopped doing it and have been in compliance and have like reached out trying to find these employees to pay them what they were owed, which is really interesting. And they then... St- they're, they're now paying their managers in a different way, which I think um, I, like the whole thing is just weird to me because I would think that I'd be like, well, why is the manager getting tips? Like, aren't they on salary? Don't they make more money? I, I don't know. Yeah, that's exactly. Now, I've been a hard eight a few times because they had one not too far from the Cowboys uh, Valley Ranch training complex. And so, I don't know, once every six weeks ago when we would take an extended lunch, uh, the beat writers would go over there to hard eight and eat. Oh, that's right. There's one right there in Capel. Yeah, and food is good, but it's more like you walk through a line and just say, hey, I want this and I want this, and then they just put it on your plate and then you just go down there and sit down. So I can see why there's not really like take okay. your order. Okay, You know, it's more like a um, like a cafeteria setup. I got you. Where you just yeah. go in and, hey, I want this and this and this, and they put it all on your plate. You pay for it, and then you go sit yourself down. Well, that's really strange. Like, why would anybody tip anybody there anyway? <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. It's not even set up for tips unless yeah. you want to tip the person who busts the table or whatever. Most of the time, you just take it, as I remember, you take it to the trash yourself. Yeah, tipping is, is really weird because everywhere you go now, everywhere you go, it, it, they turn around the little thing and you can leave a tip. And, and sometimes I'm like, why am I tipping you? Because you took my order? Like, what did you do? I don't get it. Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Yeah. There's a lot of that. And then like, you know, I'm like, am I supposed to tip you? Like I, you're not waiting on me. I had to come to the counter and then I'm going to have to come back up here when my food is ready. So what is, what's the tip for? Yeah. I got hit with a uh, 3% service fee the other day and there was, there was nothing you did other than I went up to the counter, placed my order. And, um, when it was ready, you rang a bell and I came and picked it up myself. Yeah, see, I don't like what I don't get what the tip is for that. Like if I go somewhere and even if it's counter and then they go, oh, hey, we'll bring your food out to you when it's ready. Then I might leave a couple of bucks because, well, I guess you walked over to my table. I don't know. But right. I mean, we've gotten out of control with how many different things people expect you to tip them for now. I feel like as somebody who waited tables for multiple years in my life and was actually performing a lot of service, I just it's strange to me that these almost like fast food places now are like, hey, tip us. Yeah. Like you'll see that like in a fast food window sometimes there's a tip jar and you're like, for what? Do you guys not get paid? I mean, they're paying you to do the job that you're doing. I don't, I mean. I think there's one at uh, Starbucks usually. Yeah, and, and, and I don't know what Starbucks employees get paid, but I mean, the reason why waiters, you tip them, waiters only make like 213 an hour. And then the tips are supposed to make up for that lack, that gap to the minimum wage. And if it doesn't, then the business has to pay them to make sure they made at least minimum wage. So I don't know how many of these other places that people are going to. I would imagine that those workers in there are getting paid minimum wage or more. And so then when you're also asking for a tip, I find that interesting, like at a sandwich place or something, you know? Yeah. Nah, bro. It's, um, <clears throat> I don't know. It's, it's, it's all control. It seems like. And I don't know, I try not to be selfish about it, but it seems like everybody's in your pocket. Yeah, there is a lot um, of that. Like, like, it, like, you can't really, if it's not tips, it's, let me see, I went to the grocery store, two or three different ones, and it was, can you donate to this charity before they yeah. take Yeah. And it, it wasn't just one place, it was several places. And then, you know, I think Best Buy had something where donate, like, can I just... Just do the thing I want to do and just leave me alone. I don't know. I feel like that's bad, but I feel like... No, there, there's a lot of that. And then that's the thing is that it, it basically becomes, a, oh, come on, it's just a dollar. And like, well, yeah, now, but if I do this everywhere I go, I've spent 50 extra dollars this week. 
No, but that's what it is because that's how it is. It's everywhere I go, and so now I'm like, just stop it. I'm I'm beaten down. Yeah, it's weird, man. It I mean it it really is odd how all that stuff all of a sudden is just it's everywhere. I mean everybody wants, hey, tip over here, leave this for that. Did you want to donate to this? I'm like, I just wanted a sandwich. Can I get a sandwich? <laughs> well, yeah, you got to get a sandwich, but you got to. Pay this three percent service fee. I know, man. It's pick like, it up, and then then we'd really like for you to donate one dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, or pick an amount to this charity over here. Like, holy crap! Calm down. I get it. I'm a, I'm I understand. It's gonna be okay. So with that, we will move forward here, and we will tell you about a place that is phenomenal. That, and I can tell you this, man. These guys take care not only of their employees; they they are just wonderful community people. And that's the brothers Brent and Juan that own Smokey John's Barbecue. If you are looking for phenomenal barbecue, if you are looking for something that only Jam Session listeners can get, you got to get to Smokey John's. Try the Jam Session Bowl. They've been great partners with us, man. And and I know that they always love when people come in that listen to the podcast and, and order the Jam Session Bowl because a lot of the times, like especially Juan, like if they get a minute, they'll they'll chat with you about the podcast. Oh, dude. They, I mean, Juan listens while he's driving around. All I know, man. Day. I mean, he probably listens and talks about it more than we do. Uh, but no, <laughs> maybe those guys are great. Their food is great. Uh, they've really blown up. They're everywhere. They got their own TV show. They are, uh, they are the place to go for home cooked meals, soul food, and barbecue, bro. Yeah, they're. De- it's just delicious. Get on over there if you haven't tried the jam session bowl yet. Make sure you get over there and order it off the secret menu. But I'm telling you, Smokey John's Barbecue, you're going to love it. Get over there. It's right off of Mockingbird in between Love Field and 35. And if you're out of the area, don't forget, you can always jump online at SmokeyJohns.com and you can order the barbecue sauce. I finally, I mean, I've gotten through like two bottles. I got like one bottle left because I use it on everything, I swear. <laughs> it's just so good. I think it's phenomenal. I really do. I mean, I've legit, as you know, I mean, we've talked about it before. I've, I've literally sipped on it out of the bottle. It's that good. But you can order it for yourself, that and the rub, at SmokeyJohns.com. So check that out. Also, of course, Aaron and his crew over there at HFX Foundation Solutions. If you find yourself waking up and you see a crack or you notice that all of a sudden you're like, I swear I'm walking sideways on this. Is it sloped now? That could be a problem. You may have some foundation issues. Foundation is one of those things. This is why Jacques always calls it a colonoscopy for your house. Because the, those are signs that your house is telling you, hey, there may be a problem, and you want to get out in front of that as quickly as possible. No, and the way to do that is let Aaron and his crew come over and take a look at your house by picking up the phone and giving them a call. Uh, because, again, that consultation is free, and the damage that they can save you from could be, you know, who knows. Uh, because typically if they find something, they find it early, you can get it fixed up for a fraction of what it costs if you find it late. So let them give you that peace of mind that comes with giving your house <laughs> a colonoscopy. Yeah, it's very easy to do. Aaron is a local guy. It's family-owned. They'll get you taken care of. It's a very easy call. Free, no-obligation inspection. They'll come out and see if you've got a problem. 817-770-0174. You can find out more information with them online at hfxfoundation.com. So these Dallas Mavericks, man, that game yesterday, I mean, it was thrilling. It sucked because the Mavs lost. The series is now 2-2. After they won last Thursday night, they lost on Saturday evening. Game 5, as many of you listen to this on Monday, Game 5 will be tonight. It is Monday night at 8.30. It's in Dallas. It's become a best of three. Luka is back. He looked like he was uninhibited yesterday. I mean, looked totally fine, was doing everything. I, I still cannot believe they lost that game. I mean, Utah had that big lead, and then the Mavs chiseled away at it, and I thought for sure I had visions of Luka hitting a step-back three at the buzzer to win, but it didn't happen. No, but I you know, I just wasn't uh, – I was disappointed with the loss, but as I sent you, I think, in a text, I haven't felt at any point that Utah was the better team. Yeah. Even when, they, even when Luka wasn't playing, whatever reason, the Mavericks have figured them out, or the Mavericks are, are not – they're not a good – scheme matchup for what the Mavericks are doing right now it's just a matter of how well the Mavericks play um I think they'll I think they'll take it in six now um because I think they'll win game five at home and then I don't think they have any fear of going to Utah and playing well they won there and they damn near won there the other night and I'm telling you this is 
what I see when I watch these Mavericks, man, um, you guys should be excited because the whole thing about Jason Kidd, and this to me is why Jason Kidd has just done a, such a phenomenal job. And I've said this before, bro. We were told for a decade, the Mavericks can't play defense. They just can't. They try, but they can't. And so we just got to outscore people. And Jason Kidd showed up and literally said, we're going to play defense. And the only dude that they added, correct me if I'm wrong, the only dude they added is Reggie Bullock. And while he's he's a really good defender, all right, really good defender, much like Finney Smith. But that's the only guy they added. The rest of it was just a change in attitude and a commitment to play it because the coach demanded it and said, this is what we're going to do and sit your ass on the bench if that's not what you can do or or if you want to do. And so my whole point is when you got defense, the defense shows up every game at some point. And that's why when you get down, that's why they lead the NBA in double-digit comebacks with 17 because when they lock in defensively, they can go on a run and get back in the game if they were down, or they can erase a big deficit. Dude, they played some defense the other day in game three. I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, they were just scrambling, and the effort, I mean, it was noticeable even to an untrained eye like me. And so they're always going to be able to score because they got Luka, and now that Brunson is playing uh, as a pretty efficient scorer, I just think uh, they're they're better than Utah, so they'll win the series. I agree, and and you know Luca comes back yesterday, thirty and 10, 10 rebounds. Jalen had another twenty three. All five Mavs starters had eleven points or more, and you know you mix that in, and you probably were hoping to get a little bit more out of Dinwiddie yesterday, but I love that they can have that now. And and Dinwiddie, the Dinwiddie trade, man, completely changed this team where now you've got Brunson and Dinwiddie out there, or Luka and Brunson, or Luka and Dinwiddie, and and you've got two guys that can do different things. I really thought that they were going to pull that off yesterday, and they got a decent look. You had to know that they were going to double-team Luka high, and he got rid of the ball, and they got a decent look at the end of the game. It just it, it didn't drop for him, but I agree. I, I think the Mavs are a better team. I will say this, having watched these games, I had no idea that Utah was this dirty. That O'Neal dude is a jackass asshole. Yeah, he tried to trip Luka yesterday. Yeah, he did. He tried to do that. He plowed into Jalen Brunson, and there's been some videos on Twitter you know, that people are putting up where you just see this guy not even going for the ball, just like running into guys on screens, throwing his elbow and stuff. I mean, just dirty. Utah is a dirty, dirty-ass team, and I... I mean, this is what happens when you get into a lot of playoff series. Like, the Clippers annoyed the hell out of us the last couple of years. But, I mean, I had no reason whatsoever to give a rat's ass about Utah, and I am developing a real hate for them. (laughs) That's good. I don't like the way they play. They're dirty. And Go Bear is a whiny. I mean, my God. Well, dude, that's, uh, that's, you know, but they're doing that because they're not a skill. I mean, they're not not the better team. Uh, they're a good team, but they're not uh, – this version of the Mavericks is a better team. And so if they don't win the series, there should be real disappointment because this feels to me like a series they should win. Like, you know, I mean, just think about it. They barely won when Luka didn't play in game one. Mm-hmm. You know, they had to rally in the last 39 seconds to win yesterday. You know, the Mavericks beat them. I mean, I just think the Mavericks are a better team. They just gotta, they just gotta finish the job. No, I agree. And, I, I think they are as well, and I and think they will win the me, series. Yeah, I was gonna say they should. Um, Brad Townsend wrote a piece about uh, how they didn't seem too distraught after the loss. Just like, hey, we didn't execute these last thirty-nine seconds. This is what we didn't do right, yeah. and uh, we gotta correct it. So there's no panic. I love the way how yesterday it was a. Uh, I mean, you knew it was gonna be a tough game, but they came out and took took the lead in the first quarter, so they didn't let the, the crowd get to them. Um, you know, obviously Utah built that 16-point lead in the second quarter, but, you know, they started off the game strong with some force. And, yeah. uh, you know, that to me is all about your mentality. Yeah, it's true, man. And, and, and coming back like that, it just – when Luka hit that shot and they went up by four with 30 seconds left, whatever it was, 39 seconds left, I thought it was over. And, and then, because I'm like, just hit your free throws. And then Powell misses those two free throws. And I'm just so, like, my dude, wow, just hit one of them. Like, well, yeah, that's why, uh, that's why the game, that's why they didn't win the game. Yes, this is the rare case where you can point exactly why they didn't win. 
because the game unfolded the way they should be. Okay, we hit a three. They come down. They got a three-point play. That sucks, but they got it. We get fouled. We hit our two free throws. We're back up by three. And now what's the worst that can happen? They can tie it, um, but then we should still get the ball back and we'll go into overtime. Yeah, which is what I thought was going to happen. I mean, it, it, they got the ball. You know, Gobert made that little, whatever that was, that dunk oop thing that they did, and they're up by a point. And I thought, okay, 11 seconds, they, they'll get a good shot. They didn't have any timeouts left, but I had no doubt. And Dinwiddie just, you know, it is what it is. But I agree. I think they're the better team. It's really interesting, too. And they first things first, you got to take care of Utah. But Phoenix without Devin Booker is a completely different beast. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're not they're not the same team, uh, even though they played well without him uh, during stretches where they didn't have him this year. But, um, yeah, you got to take care of Utah first before you even, you know, cast any eyes to uh, to Phoenix because the Mavericks aren't that good that they can start. No, no, not at all. I mean, you still got to beat these this team. I, I will say I am very surprised that Memphis and Minnesota are tied at two games apiece. And and honestly, Minnesota should be up three games to one in that series. That is, I had no idea. I Like, Memphis is one of those teams I thought would make a run. You know, John Morant and those guys. And and quite honestly, Minnesota's been the better team in that that series. It's crazy that it's two, two games each. Uh, I get it intellectually, but we're talking about two teams that ain't done shit in forever. <laughs> that's true. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's very and true. So, Utah, I mean, the Grizzlies may have had the, what were they, the two seed? But they ain't never done nothing um, with this current group of players. So, you know, the playoffs is a new thing for them, just like it is for Minnesota, which ain't done nothing in 20 years. So, to me, it's two new teams, two young teams, and that's why you're getting what you are. If, if, um, if it had been a different kind of scenario, I'd be a little more surprised. But Two young teams? Nah, I ain't surprised. Yeah, it's wild, man. I was just looking at it, and you look at where Minnesota is coming from. Minnesota was an expansion franchise for the 1989-90 season. Ever since then, in the history of their existence, they've only ever made it past the first round once. The year they went to the finals with yep. uh, Durant, right? Yeah, that was the year with Kevin Garnett that they went in 2004. Where they lost the they lost the conference finals to the Lakers, and that's it, man. That is the only time ever that they've ever advanced out of the first round. They haven't even they've only been to the playoffs twice since then, like in the last twenty years. They've been one of the real trash franchises. I mean, my God, like I knew they were bad, but I did not realize that they were that bad. Even though they got a good name in the Timberwolves, they got a yeah. good color scheme. You know, they got uh, they got good uh, good 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 uh, typeface. For their for their words and their and the mascot, oh, that's okay. Good, All right, you're a Timberwolf team. guy, okay. Uh, uh, they're the kind of team I would play with on a video game because they got good uniforms. Interesting, yeah. Oh, by the way, on my NBA 2K22, I I just won a world championship. Luca was Finals MVP. He surpassed the unsurpassable. He he averaged becoming just a hundred points a game. No, no, come on, I'm not fake. He averaged an NBA record. He, everybody thought, oh, Wilt's 50.1 a game will never be surpassed. <laughs> Luca averaged 53 points a game for me. Most points ever scored in a single season. He tripled the amount of three-pointers that Steph Curry hit, shattering that record. He shattered John Stockton's assists record. Yeah, he averaged 19 assists a game. <laughs> which I think is very realistic because I thought, you know what? If I put shooters around this guy, his assists are going to be way up there. Yep, yep, yep. All and that's need some 3 and D guys to ride with. <laughs> that's, that's all I need. And then Luca just goes out and does his thing. Now, to be fair, I did turn the fatigue off so he can play all 48 minutes every game if he wants to. <laughs> well, he's in great shape after that. I'll yeah, he is, man. And he's, you know, he shoots at an unbelievable clip. He set an NBA record. He hit 70% of his three-pointers last season, which is amazing. I mean, the guy was just on fire. <laughs> And it was cool. It is kind of cool, though, because on the video game, if you win the world championship, you know, they, they do the little story or whatever and show you celebrating with the trophy. Well, then you go through the offseason, and at the first game of the next season, there's a ring ceremony, and they raise the banner, which I thought was pretty cool for a video game. 
No, I mean, if you've seen the soccer celebration, you know they get down. Yeah, man. So it, it was kind of wild because Silver, the commissioner, Adam Silver, is sitting there just handing out rings to the guys that are still on the team that won the title last year. And Luca, of course, got his last, and it was great. I mean, it was awesome. And then we went out. I think we won our home opener for season two, 150 to 87. So, uh, again, it, it's tough, man. The Mavs on a video game and the Mavs in real world are, are getting it done. But this is fun, man. They're so they're fun to watch. I, they're just a fun basketball team. They play such good defense, and anytime Luca's out there and Jalen just being on a different level, this is a really fun team. You know what I noticed? Uh, the defense. Reggie Bullock had us had us had a possession yesterday where he was just unbelievable, dude. He you realize he played forty five minutes, dude. I'm surprised he probably can't walk today. I mean, my God, uh, he he's like an assassin. Yeah, it's um, it was impressive. Uh, have you noticed, I mean, this has been going on all year, it's just more pronounced now, that it seems to me that Jalen Brunson and Luka Doncic, okay, don't laugh at me, have very, very similar offensive games because it's all about herky-jerky, yeah, foot footwork, spin moves, off balance, you know, all these things to create shots. It's just that Brunson does it all from like 18 feet in for the most part, and Luka can do his you know, 23 feet out if he needs to or 28 feet out or 30 feet out or whatever. But uh, they have very similar games because I saw Brunson put somebody on his hip last night or yesterday and just kind of stay in front of him and move. And, and you know, I was like, wow, this, so this is how he's getting all these shots off. Uh, but they're all good. Yeah, I'm, and it's, it's just a joy to watch. It really is. I mean, they are, they are a very, very, very fun team to watch play and they're playing really good basketball. And... You know, you, you have that hope. There's that hope that this is going to go for a bit, so we'll see. But got to get game five first. You're at home. Get game five tonight. It's a late one, 8.30 tip. But, man, you get this one, and you, you got to love your opportunity in game six and seven to shut this thing down. You got to win game five. You have to have game five. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.